Well, tonight I want to talk to you a little bit about the heart that's needed to live a fasted life. And my subtitle is No Event Parking. And you'll find out more about that towards the end of the service. So we've been uh, in a time of prayer and fasting here at Heart of the Bay. The Holy Spirit has moved on pastor to call this time. It is an anointed time where we come together corporately for the purpose of prayer and fasting. Let me ask you, what are you fasting? I know that I spoke to some of our staff and some of them said that they were fasting pleasure food and other ones were fasting TV or Facebook or the internet. How about texting? Um, one person said they were fasting worrying and negative thinking. Does anybody else have another one? What are you fasting? Certain people. Certain people. Sugar. All right. What else? The newspaper. The newspaper. All right. Praise God. Well, I'll tell you what. It can be a powerful time of change and exchange for you when you begin to um, put some things aside. You begin to change some behaviors by cutting off, by plucking out, again, by laying aside some things. You know, I'm a word junkie. I've been a word junkie for a long time. And if I'm in the car, I've got the word on it. Amen, Pastor Tom? I tell you what, I'm listening to the word all the time because I want to receive what God is saying to me for this day. Amen? Can't live on yesterday's manna. Got to live on fresh manna. And, you know, I, I again, I, I like to listen to, to messages or the word or whatever. But, you know, after 9-11... I began to start watching Good Morning America on TV. And I was watching it because I wanted to stay connected to what was going on. I did, over a period of time, I developed a habit of just turning it on because I, it helped me to feel connected. And I did that for about a, a period of a year or so. And I remember Pastor Mark at that time had called for a time of corporate prayer and fasting. And so I decided one of the things that I was going to do was to lay aside Good Morning America. But I wasn't just going to lay it aside. I was going to replace it with something. So I began to look to see what else was on. And I discovered that Joyce Meyer was on at that time. And, and Believer's Voice of Victory was on at that time. And I would be not really watching it, but listening to it when I was getting ready. So I put that on. And I began to listen to the word of God. And I began to change some things. I began to change a habit. And you know, I found out that after the time that we had finished and concluded our time of prayer and fasting, which was, I don't know, uh, several weeks, my habit had changed. But not only my habit, my desire had changed. And that's really what we're after. We're after heart changes. Amen? Amen. Praise God. You know, as a result of that, when I left my house, I mean, to this day, I leave. I'm fed. I'm edified. I'm built up. Amen? Because I've heard the word. And the word will always encourage you. 
And you know what encouragement is? Encouragement is, it inspires you to have courage so that you can go out there and face your day. So I exhort you to put the word on and listen to the word. Now, what I'd like to do is I'd like for us, I'm just going to really have you, uh, we're going to turn to uh, one scripture tonight, unless the Holy Spirit leads differently. But I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 58, and I'm going to ask the media booth to put it on in the New Living Translation. And because we're only uh, turning to one passage of scripture, we're going to read the whole chapter, okay? Is that all right with you? Because this chapter is about prayer and fasting, okay? And I want you to see it in the New Living Translation. So, praise God. I believe they'll get that up there. Thank you, Lord. I can't see if you're waving at me or... Isaiah 58 in the New Living Translation. Praise the Lord. It says this, Shout with the voice of a trumpet. Shout aloud and don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. It's the whole chapter, guys. Yet they are so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn about me. They act like a religious nation, but they would never abandon the laws of God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending that they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice. I will tell you why I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. While you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? You know, when you're in strife and division? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourself with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? You know, it's a form of godliness. But it denies the very power of the purpose of the fast. Do you really think this will please the Lord? No. This is the kind of fasting that I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. And remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. And give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who are in need. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. Now that doesn't mean that God wants you to be codependent with people. That's right. You know, because people have, you know, this nature about them. At least the Holy Spirit has dealt with their hearts where they can be lazy. You know, they want you to do the work for them. But see, God says, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Now, there are times and there are seasons that people go through 
We've all been there where we need help. And that is the time to help. But being codependent and enabling somebody, you know, your 40-year-old son or whatnot to stay in your house, eat your food, sleep in your bed, and never go out and do anything, that's a whole nother story. And I wanted to say that because sometimes the enemy will use the word of God on you. And I want you to be wise as a serpent, yet gentle as a dove. Amen? Praise the Lord. God believes in personal responsibility. Verse 8. When you do these things, he says, then your salvation will come like the dawn. And your wounds will heal quickly and your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will click quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry, he says again, and help those in trouble. Then I will light and shine. Then your light will shine out of darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. Isn't that awesome? That when we give, God sees to it that it's given back to us. That's how it works. So many times I hear people and they say, they give an excuse about serving in the church. You know, you have a responsibility to be a good steward in your local church, the company that God has joined you to. And so many times I will hear, but, oh, I'll miss out on the service. You know, that's a lie of the enemy. Because when you go and you give of yourself, Trust me, you'll come out of that place more blessed, more enriched, more encouraged. Amen? Amen. Because it's the law of God. What you sow, you shall reap. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. It says this, you will be like a well watered garden, like an ever flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of the walls and a restorer of homes. Homes are not houses. Homes are places where families dwell. And you can be a restorer of a home. Amen? By simply coming alongside of somebody and helping them out. Lifting them up. Amen. Amen. You can make a difference. You can pray for them. When you're going through a hard time, you need people to come alongside of you and pray with you and pray for you. Amen. Amen. To get you through. Glory to God. I want to be a restorer of families, of homes, of streets to dwell in. 
of pathways where people walk their destinies. Amen. Verse 13 says, keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interest on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything that you do that day. You notice it didn't say that you honor an hour on the Sabbath. It says you honor the day. Pastor Tom and I had a conversation about that today. God wants to do some things for you on that day. But you got to honor that day. Amen. Don't follow your own desires or talk idly. The scripture says, honor the day. Amen. When you don't honor the day by assembling yourselves together, you know what you do? You cut off God's provision for you. One way of being filled with the spirit is by assembling yourselves together under the corporate anointing. And allowing the corporate anointing to fill you up. And that is something that you cannot get in and by yourself. God says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. Do we not see the day approaching? That means that we need to be in church more often. Amen? Not less often. Honoring the day. We got to be sitting under the spout where the glory is poured out. Hallelujah. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor, he says. Do you want to be honored by God? This is how you do it. Hallelujah. You humble yourself. Amen. The word says he that is humbled shall be exalted. And God will honor you. And your gift, your gifts, your supply, they'll make a room for you. They'll make a place for you. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestors, Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. This sounds to me like whosoever loses his life (laughs) for his sake and the gospels, they'll find it. Amen? Amen? They'll find it because you know what? When you seek him, you find life. And really, that is how you serve God. That's how you do it. Praise the Lord. Why is prayer and fasting so important? I believe that prayer and fasting go together like peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) Fasting and prayer are Bible-based disciplines. And they're sacred times of really stepping away from all that distracts you to focus your attention and hear from heaven. 
You know, it's where you step into that place of prayer, where you step into the spirit, where you take some things. Amen. You pray through some things. You declare some things. You make some petitions. You stand in the gap and you make intercession. You remove the heavy yokes of oppression. And one of the reasons why it's so important to step away is because that's when you can um, ascend to that place where God is able to show you some things. You'll begin to see some things and you'll begin to know some things. But it's not apart from shutting yourself off, stepping into that prayer closet, closing the door to all other distractions and allowing God to speak to you. You know, fasting is not a means of manipulating God to do something for you. That's not what fasting is about. It's faith that moves the hand of God. It's not your sacrifices. Fasting brings you closer to God and it connects you with Him. One reason to fast and pray is because the scriptures tell us us to fast and pray. The Bible has a lot to say about fasting and prayer. It gives examples of people throughout the Old and New Testament who use different types of fasting and prayers for different reasons. You know, Jesus, he fasted and prayed. He, He left the multitude. He left people to seek God and to pray. His disciples, they fasted, they prayed. Many of the Old Testament saints, we see them, people of faith who fasted and prayed. The early church fasted and prayed. Jesus himself said, this kind comes not out except there be fasting and prayer. You know? Fasting and prayer puts you into position for you to receive your breakthrough. How many of you want a breakthrough? You know, your breakthrough, it might be in the realm of the spirit. Your breakthrough, it might be in the realm of your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. It might be in the realm of a personal habit that needs to change. It may be financial. It may be relational. But I tell you, here's my heart and I know it's yours. If the Bible instructs us to do something, I want to do it. I want to obey God in every way. Because I know that it's for my benefit and it's for my maturity and it's for my growth. And I know it's going to produce good in my life. Everybody, hear me. Everybody needs a breakthrough in some area of their life. There you go. Praise God. Are you willing to position yourself for that breakthrough? Jesus said this. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? It's weak. Fasting is a means of bringing your flesh under submission. Paul said it this way, I put my body under. Fasting in the flesh makes us stronger to withstand the temptations of the flesh. 
God's going to help you to overcome the flesh, your fleshly and carnal desires, all those temptations as you put them under subjection. And you know what? In the day that we live in, the devil uses many, many enticements to lure us away from God. Pastor's been doing a series. He's been talking about seeking what? First, the kingdom of God. He's been teaching and preaching about laying all unnecessary weights aside. Those sins would so easily trip us up. He's been exhorting us and teaching us to run the race with endurance. What he's talking about is a fasted lifestyle. Amen? Amen. This is not a hard thing. It's only a hard thing if you resist, you know? God says that he will impart grace to you. Submit yourself to God, therefore. Resist the devil and God will impart grace. What is grace? Grace is divine influence of the heart. God will come in. He will divinely influence and change your heart. What is grace? It is the power of God coming on the scene, coming on you to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. God will help you. And it won't be hard because there will be a grace to lift you, to sustain you, to help you, to inspire you. Praise the Lord. Now, you know what? You're going to recall that in the Garden of Eden, it was food that enticed, that, was, that, that the devil used to entice Adam and Eve to cause them to sin. Obviously, it was, they didn't have internet, they didn't have TV, they didn't have a lot of other distractions that, you know, we deal with today, but they did have a commandment. And that commandment came from God. God said to them, you know, you can eat off of every tree in the garden. Now, can you imagine an environment that was so perfect that they didn't need clothing because the weather was just right? They didn't have to work. They just, they just got to enjoy life. That was God's plan. That was God's will. That was God's purpose. But he gave them uh, one commandment, just one rule. (laughs) One rule. You cannot eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in that day, you shall surely die. God told them to refrain from taking the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why did God set that tree apart? Why did he set that fruit apart? Why do you think that was? I'll tell you. Because God was giving Adam and Eve a free will. He was giving them the ability to make choices and make decisions. And a free will isn't really free if a person does not have a choice. 
So Adam and Eve had a choice to make about this tree. God told them to abstain from eating from its fruit. He did not uh, want them to have knowledge of evil. He had already given them full knowledge of everything good. He called everything good. He wanted to spare them the heartache of knowing evil. God desires only good for you. God calls us away from evil and towards good. It's the goodness of God. Amen. But he gives us a choice. And so many problems that people have today that they face are a direct result of making wrong choices. Satan works to divert our attention so that we will make wrong choices. Eve listened to what the devil had to say about the fruit And the devil diverted her attention from what God said. He called her attention to the fruit and the tree. Look at that fruit over there, Eve. Look at how good it is. Well, she wasn't uh, tempted because she had never tasted it. She didn't know what it tasted like. He was showing her, oh, look, it looks really good. And it'll make you wise. You know, he's still up to those same tricks. He will come to you and he will try to get your attention and he will say to you things like, ah, look at that tree over there. It might not be a tree, but whatever bait that he thinks that you're going to take, that's the bait that he's going to use to dangle in front of you to entice you to depart from the word of the living God. Amen. Praise God. The devil's at work influencing the marketing of goods to the flesh. Have you noticed that? (laughs) Commercials about junk food, vacations, symbols of success, sex. They're all presented to appeal to the flesh, to tell you that they are good. Isn't that right? But in reality, they contain a seed of death. And when you partake of them, the devil wants you to eat things that are, that's bad for your body, that destroys your body, that puts, you know, toxins in your body. He wants you, you know, to be enticed to buy that new car. You know, you saw it on that commercial. You really can't afford it. But you go and you buy it anyhow. And what does that do? It puts you into debt. And what does debt do? It puts you into bondage. Amen? And so that's how the system is set up. Because it's the spirit of this world. It's the spirit of the devil. It's the spirit of Satan. Amen? I'll tell you, fasting and prayer calls us to turn away from all of that. To turn away from the flesh. Fasting and prayer calls our attention back to the things of God so that he can work his desire in us. Fasting and prayer is a means of seeking first his kingdom, his righteousness. When we fast and we pray, we gain awareness of good and evil. We can see it more clearly. Again, you see some things, you know some things. 
God says, seek me and you'll find me. He says, sup with me and I will sup with you. I'll show you things to come. I'll lead you and guide you. You know, he wants to take you to another level. I have a question for you. What is God talking to you about? What's your conversation with him? What is he leading you to do? What is he leading you to lay aside? One thing he's been dealing with me about is slowing down. I'm busy. <laughs> but you know, you've got to be careful about these things. And when God says slow down, you need to slow down. I remember one day I was in my office and there were so many things going on. I felt like that person that's spinning all the plates. And all of a sudden I looked up and I go, oh, did I drop a plate? <laughs> and God said to me, if you touch that plate with the anointing, you won't drop it. How do you get the anointing? It's going to cost you. You have to lay aside. You have to come aside. You have to hear from God. You have to gain wisdom. You know, the wisdom of God will keep that plate spinning. You won't be wandering in the wilderness trying to figure out how to do it. The anointing. (laughs) Praise God. It'll touch it and it'll keep on spinning. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm just, like I said, I'm often running to catch myself because I'm like that type A personality. I'm always on the go. My friends will tell you that I eat fast. (laughs) I walk fast. I multitask often. And I used to drive fast. (laughs) I'll say used to because I got a ticket. Actually, I had a ticket in a really, really long time, and I actually had gotten two tickets. And my daughter-in-law said to me, you know what? I think maybe God's going to tell you to slow down. (laughs) And she said it kind of jokingly, but when she said it, there was an anointing on her words. You know what I mean? And they hit my spirit. And I said, okay, Lord, (laughs) I need to make an adjustment here. I need to change a behavior and a habit. So I no longer speed while I'm driving. But I do have to admit something. It wasn't easy to slow down. (laughs) You know, it cost me $299 for the ticket. Plus the other ticket was $466. Plus it cost me a whole day at a not-so-funny comedy traffic school class. And and it wasn't any fun. But you know what? The Holy Spirit showed me something. And I want you to get this. He showed me that slowing down because I didn't want a ticket was like tithing because you don't want to be cursed with a curse. Where was my heart in all of this? I needed to look at the speed limit as a law that was in my best interest. It is there to protect me. And it's there to protect others. And so I needed to change my heart. I needed to slow down. Again, it's not easy on the flesh. 
because everybody else is speeding. <laughs> and they're annoyed at you because you're driving the speed limit. No discipline at the present time seems joyful, but rather grievous. But it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it. And so training is a process. Amen? Amen. Amen? You have to learn greater disciplines like time management. Because you can't leave your house late or you'll be late. And you can't speed. So, this is a work in progress. I'm not speeding, but I'm working on some things. Amen? Glory to God. But let me tell you a new piece that I have found when passing a police officer with a radar gun. I know I'm not getting pulled over. I don't have to be looking over my shoulder to see what I can get away with. How many people are looking over their shoulders to see what they can get away with? That stinks in the nostrils of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. I've developed a new habit. It feels good. It really does. It feels good. Well, that was when I was in my car. Now that brings me to a more recent story. Because that's, that, that's been going on for a little bit, a couple months. But I have a more recent story to tell you about. Where God's still dealing with me. It's still a work in progress to slow down. I went to Sacramento last week to see Joyce Meyer. And it was an awesome time of impartation. Receiving the word, you know, rejoicing with other believers in the Arco Arena filled with people hungry for God. Well, the last meeting was on Saturday morning, and we were running late, checking out of the hotel. So we went to the Aqua Reno, and I'm following my friends in the car. And we pull into a parking lot adjacent to the arena. And there were other cars parked there, and it saved us time, and it saved us money. And so we got out of the car and we started walking towards the arena. And as we got on the other side of the parking lot, there was a sign that said, no event parking. That's all it said. And so it was a Saturday. It wasn't a business day. There were other cars parked there. The sign was clear on the other side of the parking lot. There was no sign placed where we had parked. My friends parked there. Now, down on the inside of me, though, I had a check. I had a check about parking in that place. But, you know, I reasoned, and I overrode that check because we're going to be late, and we're in a hurry. And I want a good seat. As we came out of the meeting, we walked across, and we stepped onto that property. And the very moment that my foot touched that property down on the inside of me, I knew something was wrong. 
I turned to walk towards my car where our cars were parked. And I looked, and they weren't there. (laughs) My car got towed, and my friends too, (laughs) and all the other people that had parked there. And you know, my flesh just wanted to rise up because how could they do this? There's no sign there. This is not just. But you know what? There was a sign in my heart. And I was moving too fast, and I overrode it. And I hardened my heart to the voice of the Lord. You know, today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. (laughs) It'll cost you. (laughs) Guess what it cost me to get my car out? $320. Ouch. But again, with a, a lesson with value was taught to me. Slow down. Hear. Obey. Respond. I had a choice to make, you know. I didn't follow that leading. But now I had another choice. I had a choice that I could respond in the spirit... Or I could respond in the flesh. And I decided how I was going to respond in the spirit. That what I got in those meetings was well worth $320. And if the devil can't get my joy, he can't get my goods. Isn't that right, Reverend George? Reverend George had his golf club stolen out of his car. And that was the first thing that came out of his heart. I was there. I saw how he behaved. It witnessed to me. And that's what came out of my house. Devil, you're not taking my joy. You're not taking my peace. I tell you in the name of Jesus, I resist right now. Grief. You know, when all of a sudden they tell you your car's not here, you got to go down to the tow station, you got to pay $320 to get it out. You have an opportunity to grieve. You know? (laughs) The temptation was there. But you know, there are some things that you just got to, you can't continue to grieve over. You got to get over. And I decided right then and there, I was not going to grieve over that. I was going to learn from it. Amen. And I was going to believe God for mercy. The mercies of God are new every morning. And God's goodness is for a lifetime. And he's well able to help me pay off that credit card. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. You know, even, even if I have to pay that off myself, every time I make that payment, I'm going to recall. I'm going to recall that I need to hear, obey, and respond to the spirit. That is a good lesson. Some of you may have made some decisions that cost you and you're still grieving over them. I know I've done that many times in the past. Some things cost you more. Some things keep you in that state at a longer duration. Amen. But God, but God, but God, He redeems, and he restores, and he makes whole. 
You just got to let go and you got to let God and you got to receive the blessings of the Lord into your life. Again, I just began to declare to Satan, you're not getting my joy. You're not getting my peace. God is going to restore to me. Amen. Amen. During this time of fasting and prayer, I want to exhort you to learn, to grow, and to make adjustments. Listen to the voice of the Spirit and give heed to it. He's going to stretch you. He's going to enlarge your heart. He's going to enlarge your spiritual territory. You'll receive increase. He'll increase your faith. Amen? What moves the hand of God? Faith. What increases when we fast and pray? Faith. Glory to God. Now, Ingrid, did you give me those prayer directives? Praise God. I just want to go over these really quick as we close. Season of prayer and fasting. These are the prayer directives that pastor has placed before us. How many of you do not have one of these? Do we have the ushers have them? They might be up by the uh, information center. You need to get one. Go to the information center. I'm sure that they'll have some there. And get a hold of these. Because we need to come together on these things. Amen? Who's got them? Okay, if you raise your hand, the ushers will get one to you. Okay, so real quickly. Where are they? Ingrid, show me where they're at because I don't have my glasses on. They're in the front. Okay. Okay. Corporately come together and pray for our nation. For harvest, for souls, for marriages to be strengthened, for the gifts of the Spirit, especially the power gifts, for physical and provisional miracles, for the favor of God for our church, our church family, our church friends, our church partners. Pray for restoration, including people being restored back to the Lord. Pray for individual Uh, individuals to experience breakthroughs in the lives of our church family in every realm of life, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, financially, and socially. And then finally, to be strengthened in our hearts, to be better equipped for God's service. And I believe that that's what this message has been about tonight, to equip us to be better prepared for God's service, to know that it's about our heart and not just about our acts and our deeds. It's about why we do some things, why we choose some things. It's about allowing God to move in our lives. Father, in the name of Jesus, we invite you to move in our lives individually. We give you our hearts. We give you our souls. We present our bodies unto you. And we say, Lord, here we are. Use us. We thank you, Lord. We invite you to move in this church. In this church corporately.
We thank you for the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit in this place. Especially the power gifts. Father, we thank you that you have a plan. You have a purpose. And we rise. And we take our place. And we bring our supplies. And we lend our hand. And we do the work. And we serve you. And we serve people. We go out into the highways and byways. And we bid them to come. We go out. And Lord God, we are the gospel being preached without a word by the demonstration of our actions where we're moved with compassion. We're moved with love. We move because we sincerely care. And Lord, that speaks and that touches and your love draws people unto you. And so we thank you, Lord, that as we lay aside some things, as we come together and we fast and we pray, we expect, Lord, for awesome breakthroughs. We expect to come up to another level. We expect increase. And we receive it. And we thank you for it. Just lift your hands up. And just receive from the Lord. Empowerment. And strength. Whatever it is that you need. We ask you for it. We believe you for it. And we thank you for it. In Jesus name. Amen. And amen.